Now, if I have to stop for cough, don't mind me. I've just got some a cough. There we go. Uh, but I'll do my best to not. Fantastic. Awesome. So today we're going through uh, the Psalm 127. Um, I hear you guys have been journeying in a couple of different psalms this summer. Uh, but I just wanted to give you some context on this one. Uh, this one that was uh, given to me to bring a word on today. Um, so... Psalm 121 through to Psalm 134 are a group of psalms called the Songs of Ascent. They're a group of uh, psalms or songs or hymns, however you want to word that, because the word psalm, I'll get my tongue wrong a couple of times. Uh, they're, They're basically a soundtrack to a road trip. So they are the songs that were sung as the Levites, which were a tribe of the people of God, uh, they were the ones they used as they journeyed in their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. If you have ever been on a road trip, you can understand that cultivating that playlist that you're going to listen to for a few hours is very important. Um, and this is what they've done for us today. Um, when you look at the, the group of them as a whole, the first couple have a very distinct theme of, of excitement and setting out on this trip. And at the end, there's this excitement of getting to that place. Um, They're finally at their destination and and look at the beauty of that place. Um, And the ones in the middle, as you can imagine, are are a bit more, uh, they're kind of in the middle, they're probably a bit tired, and they don't really, the initial excitement's worn off, and they're not there yet, and so they just kind of talk about some stuff. Um, And so a lot of them talk about how to live as the people of God. They're reminders about who God is uh, as their creator and as their father. Um, They're the ones that they just kind of get along with. And Psalm 127 is one of those in the middle. It's not about the setting off and the excitement. It's not about arriving. It's how they are going to live as people of God um, as they journey. And so this, this collection, they're kind of like even a devotion or a meditation book uh, that you can read and collect. So this psalm in particular was written by Solomon. Um, so if you've read the book of Proverbs, he's the, the wise one, the wise one that brings wisdom uh, to the people. Um, and so this uh, one wasn't written by David, but actually Solomon. And so as you can imagine, there's probably some wisdom, maybe, um, in this psalm we're going to read you today. Um, but the thing about the psalms is that, you know, they were walking, as they sung them. Um, and so there's a, there's a real sense that we're not just meant to hear them, but we're meant to experience them. And so as you can imagine, I'm going to ask you all to stand up if you are able this morning. It's okay if you're not. And we're going to try something a little bit different. Don't stress. It's going to be okay. But what I'm going to do is as I read the psalm out, I want you to walk in a circle. So the way we're going to logistically do this is we're going to walk slow. Um, if you're an extra slower walker, um, just go maybe in an inner ring and people can overtake you, um, however that works. But maybe we can just do a little bit kind of in over, around these two groups of chairs. Um, we're just going to walk slowly. There's only five verses. I'm going to read them slow so you might get a lap in. But the reason I want to do this is because these songs are meant to connect not just with uh, our hearing sense, but the sense we have as we move. These were pilgrim people. These were people who were, who were walking on this journey as they were listening. 
And so maybe you want to look around as you walk. I would advise it. Maybe you want to look at your feet with your peripheral vision, looking where you're going. Um, maybe you want to walk with someone in particular. Um, but maybe we're just going to start uh, that now. So if you want to, just as I start reading this psalm, I just start walking. We're going to go clockwise because that seems natural, right? Which... We're going to go this way. We're going to walk this way. Just start walking as fast as Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard. From early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful, how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. He will not be put to shame. Feel free to find your seat or someone else's. I'm not sure how that experience was for you. It was great for me. Uh, but I think there's a reminder that there's more to the just hearing. So we live with a couple of people in our house. Um, it's great. Communal living is amazing. Shared bills. Uh, shared milk. I'm the only one that drinks full milk, full cream milk, so that's great. But it's great. We, we love living with these guys. They've just got married, just got back from their honeymoon. We miss them. Judah missed them. It's been a whole month. Judah, that's crazy for a one-year-old. He saw them and he just stared at them for a while. It's like, you exist. And so it was great to have them back. But uh, Emily, uh, one of them, actually loves her pot plants. She's into this new uh, craze of keeping indoor pot plants. Um, 
they're really young, so they don't have children yet, and they don't, don't think they will for a while because they live with Judah. Um, but she loves. So these are these are her babies. These pot plants. You can if there's a picture up. There we go. One's called Jane on the left. You can't see. I understand. It's very small. And one's called Trevor. Uh, they have personalities. Jane's cute. Trevor's funny. But she loves these plants, and she was relying on me to keep these plants, her children, alive while she went on a month-long honeymoon. You know, in preparation for this great excursion, she had done me up a schedule. She, she, she played into my, my personality of, of uh, caring for things, um, so she gave them personalities. Um, she gave me a schedule of how Jane liked to be watered and how Trevor liked to be watered and how often. She gave me a how-to. You would have think that she would realise that all the plants in her house are already dying. Uh, and then she gave me tips. So, you know, maybe do it in the laundry if you want to. And so she gave me, she prepared me for uh, this work that was to be done. It had a, a whole name, Operation Keep Ed's Plants Alive. There was a couple of exclamation points as well. You know, she had worked so hard to ensure the success of this operation. But no matter how, she worked, how hard she worked, no matter how many pages she wrote for me, there came a point where this would all be useless. It would all be wasted. It would be no good unless I watered them. I'll tell you more about that later. Group assignments. These are either the best or the worst part of studying at university. Depends on what kind of personality you are. You see, inherently, group assignments require you to trust that someone else is going to do their part. You see, it doesn't matter how long you spend on your Gantt chart or on your PowerPoint presentation. That'll all be no good. It'll all be wasted if your other team member doesn't do their part. You see, so we can understand that there are areas of, uh, of our life where as important as our work is to do diligently, often we are reliant on other people or other external forces to the success of that work. I'm going to read again verse 1. Unless the Lord builds our house... <coughs> unless... Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. I wonder how many of you today have felt as though it's your responsibility to build his church. I wonder how many of you here today feel as though it's your responsibility to transform the sexist culture of your work environment. I wonder how many of you here today have felt as though it's your responsibility to change the selfish attitude of your racist family member and their attitude towards refugees. I wonder how many of you have felt as though it's your responsibility to ensure that there are no members of this Parafield Gardens community sleeping rough tonight. You hear, see, what I feel Solomon wanted God's people to hear at the time 
what the Levites reminded themselves of as they journeyed toward Jerusalem. And what we have read today and heard today is that we must realise that the futility of our work in comparison to God's sovereignty. I mean to say that unless God wants to build his church here in Parafield Gardens, all my preaching, all of your preaching, all of your programs will be wasted. It'll be no good. We must understand that the success of our work in his mission is completely reliant on us doing work that is in his mission. But all is not lost. All is not hopeless. And we don't necessarily need to kick me off the stage this morning or close down all your programs. Because our God is not like the student if for my group assignment. Alison. I hope there's no Alison's here today. Our God is not like me who left the watering of the plants to Tim. Praise be to God for him. <laughs> our God incarnate, Jesus Christ, came to bring the good news to the poor, to proclaim that the captives would be released that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free. It says that in Luke 4, if you don't trust me. He has invited us into this work that he is already doing. To trust that he is building his church here in Parafield Gardens. To trust that he is working to transform the culture of your work environment. To trust that he is working to change the selfish attitude of your family members. To trust that he is protecting every single Parafield Gardens community member who doesn't have the safety and the security of four walls tonight. So much more. So much more. Amen? Come on, guys. How good is our God that he calls us into a work that he has already been doing? So why, though? Why? Why participate in the work that God is doing if he's building the house? If he's building it, then what do we need to do? If he's protecting the city, then why do we need to guard it? What is the point of the work we do? Well, I think the second movement of this this psalm, this song, this performance gives us an answer. We just have to look through the poetic metaphors a little bit. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Now, the example of having or or receiving children provides a very clear picture of the relationship between God building the house and the work of the builders. So for those of you who understand how some of these things go, say for one case 2,000 years ago, we play a role in the bringing about of children into this world. Again, um, unless your name's Mary, you don't have any Marys here. No? Cool. Unless your name's Mary, not participating in this activity will bring you no fruit, will bring you no children. But yet some of you also understand the reality that the precious life of a child is solely given by God and his timing. 
that despite any hard work or planning or timing we put in place, God still does his part. It feels like a bit of a dance, doesn't it? God's sovereignty over everything and and our participation in the work. You see, children is the example used by Solomon of the gift, the reward, the fruit, the, the evidence, the faithfulness and certainty that comes from this very dance. Solomon then moves through uh, using a different kind of imagery, that of an arrow. He says, children born to a young man are like, <coughs> are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Commentaries suggest that often in this kind of context, arrows are viewed as a defensive weapon, referring to the security you feel when you're in possession of one. Church planning has its highs and lows. Uh, There's an exciting of when you're setting out on that journey, kind of the start of your pilgrimage. There's an excitement. You're doing this new thing and and everybody's uh, excited for you. Uh, But there's also this sense of enduring. That of it's the the journey you go on, not just the setting out on that journey. There's this expectation because of who God is, that he's going to do a marvellous work in that place. That we expect God to move because we trust in his word. But there's a, there's a patience that comes as we're, we're living in that expectation. It's this dance. Um, but you see, even, even amongst all that, and even though we've only been in Morsa Lakes for six months, there have been times when we feel under attack whether that be uh, spiritual, whether that be ourselves. You know, it came at Christmas time for me when we didn't have a church service uh, because all of our church members were on their honeymoon. So, you know, uh, and there was this sense of we don't have a Christmas service. How are we real church? You know, it comes when people ask me questions about how we're going. And I'm like, yeah, we're going really well. So, so expectation, but we're, we're expectant, but we're so patient. There's this real uh, insecurity that comes of like, oh, should more have happened? Should, are we working hard enough? And it comes when uh, we have to make dis- financial decisions about going back to work or, or working more, knowing that it will take time away uh, from the work that we feel God's called us to. You know, it feels sometimes like I'm standing at those city gates, those defensive walls. Behind me is that mission that God's called me to, that beautiful picture of a transformed community of Mawson Lakes. And I'm standing there trying to protect it, but there are things that are coming, attacking me. There are accusers that bear my own face, that feel like they're going to come and destroy what is behind me. You see, shame is a very real option in this situation. You know, the shame that felt when we had to tell people that we weren't going to be moving to the hills, despite talking about it for 12 months, we're going to go to Mawson Lakes instead. You know, the shame is a real real option, a real pathway to take. 
you know, the fear, the doubt that we all experience when we're stepping out into new things or even just trying to step out into the same thing each day. You remember that when I'm standing at the city gates, that there is an option, save for one, one thing. And that is, I have a quiver full of arrows. There is security that comes because I'm equipped. You see, these arrows that, that I hold, that I wield, that I, they give me security, are the very words that God has spoken to me in this whole journey. The same words that God has spoken to Tim, the words that he's spoken to people uh, who we don't really know, but have just said the right thing at the right time. You know, the Deuteronomy passage, you have wandered around the hills for long enough, turn to the hills. When you're staring at those city gates and we're wondering if we should have gone to the north, <laughs> maybe the hills was the right thing, we just needed to persevere a little bit more, we know because we have the word of God in our quiver. When we're feeling unsure about if, if, if we should persevere or maybe, you know, we get uncertain if our housemates are going to move out, because <laughs> we can't afford that kind of rent, we go, but the, the, the situation that happened for us to even get this house was such a God thing that that's an arrow in my, arrow in my quiver. We shouldn't have that house. We spent 12 months looking for a house in, in uh, the hills and within a week of even considering Mawson Lakes as a community to invest in, we had a house. That is an arrow in my quiver when my accusers bearing my face are attacking me. You see, there is fruit that we have received from participating in the work of God. There have been God situations, whatever the words you want to use are, there is evidence that we know that God is real and that we should persevere. And so rather than the shame we feel at the gates, we have security in the gifts and the rewards that God has given us. And so today I ask you, what arrows do you have in your quiver? Now I was going to hand out a piece of paper but I completely forgot it. So if you have a phone or if you have something to write down or maybe you just need to think upon it for a moment. But what arrows do you have in your quiver when you're standing at the gates, whether that be the gates defending your family, defending your faith, persevering on in a mission that God's calling you to step out into? What are those moments that God's given you, whether they be his word, whether they be something that happened 20 years ago? You see, for Tim, the word he got about doing ministry in the north happened seven years ago or something like that. It doesn't have to be something he said to you last week. But what are the arrows in your quiver? So just take a moment to think upon it, to write it down.
it's definitely something you can keep thinking about as we go into worship and such, but maybe you didn't have something. Maybe you couldn't think of anything or maybe you just don't have anything that you feel like you can put in your quiver. For whatever reason that is, maybe you're new on this journey. Maybe you've struggled to hear the voice of God. Then I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you one so that you can uh, put this in your quiver. So you can hold on to this today, tomorrow, tonight. And it's this passage. It's John 3, 16, 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into this world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. John 3, 16, 17. You see, this, the good news of this psalm, 127, the psalm that has been sung, performed, read, heard by many generations. The good news comes in the realisation is that the work of your salvation has already been done. That you don't need to work so hard from morning until night anxiously working. There is no need for you to toil in vain, earning any kind of favour, any kind of karma, any kind of brownie points. For God loved you so much and he wanted to be in a relationship with you with no barriers of any of your wrongdoings, any of your transgressions any wrongdoings of other people. He didn't want that to be a barrier between you coming to him. He has so much love for you. And of course he does. He formed you in your mother's womb. God has done everything so that you might live an unburdened life free of the world shackles. And so come, rest. The work has been taken care of today. 